Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Episode number four, bonus episode. I got to talk to fellow podcaster Adam Ashton. He is an author and host of the top-nominated business podcast in Australia called What You Will Learn. We had such interesting discussions about focusing in a distracted world and my embarrassing lack of attention span to sit down and read a book. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hello there. Hi there. I'm so curious to learn more about your podcast, What Will You Learn?, and that you are up or in the running for top podcast in Australia for business and marketing. How cool is that? Yeah, super super exciting. So we started almost three years ago now, but it was just sort of a matter of each week, my mate and I sort of kept going and kept going and kept building and kept building and gradually, gradually getting better each time, I think. And now almost three years on, we were uh, pleased, uh, pleasantly surprised to get the, the nomination. So there's, there's six finalists uh, and the awards are, are coming up in a couple of weeks. Good luck. Good luck. And tell yeah, me, how, very much. how did that podcast start? I mean, first, you have to come up with an idea. But I also think that there's a lot of consideration go that goes into, are you going to do it solo? Are you going to do it with somebody and being a collaborator? collaborator? So I'm curious to learn more about it. Yeah, thankfully, we were extremely naive uh, in the start in that <laughs> we sort of we, we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know what on earth we were getting ourselves in for. And we started uh, very hastily uh, and sort of just got just dived in without really knowing what we were getting ourselves in for, which was which was lucky, uh, as it turned out. We both loved reading uh, and we both loved listening to podcasts. And we'd both finished our university studies and we'd started our, I guess, quote-unquote, real-world jobs. And once a week, my mate Adam and I would meet up in the city for a coffee and to talk about office politics and career and all the things that we were doing and things we were enjoying and not enjoying. And then we started talking about the books we were reading as well. And then we thought, well, let's sync up and read the same book each week so at least we can have a conversation about the book. And then we were like, well, we're already having this conversation. We love podcasts. We love reading. Let's make a book. Uh, let's make a podcast where each week we read a book and discuss the, the best bits from the best books. So really, at first, it was, a, it was a way of us sort of forcing ourselves to read more books more often, uh, keeping each other accountable for reading, and then also retaining more from those books by having to talk about it rather than just read the books you know, passively and then you don't remember at the end what you even learnt. Uh, and then also, you know, we wanted to learn this new skill of podcasting. We thought maybe we'll get a little bit better in terms of our um, either public speaking or our confidence or our communication or our listening. There were sort of all of these benefits we thought to starting a podcast uh, that didn't involve anybody else ever hearing it. So we sort of did it as an absolute worst case scenario. We had six or seven enormous benefits from starting this this podcast. On a Saturday morning, we'll record during the week. We're obviously reading the books whenever and wherever we can. Now it's hours and hours of, of preparation where we were doing, one person will do the full write-up of, of notes from the book that we took 
as we were reading. The other person will come in and sort of edit and restructure and um, build a bit of a narrative throughout those notes. We talk about it together. Uh, so there's a, a lot more time and effort and energy we're putting into it now that uh, we didn't do at the start, that's for sure. Good Lord. <laughs> so <laughs> the beginning of this year, I had kind of a New Year's resolution that I wanted to read one book, one book. And I used to be a complete bookworm. It is great. However, <laughs> and I, I think this plays into my larger question here is I took uh, Michelle Obama's book. I think it's mm -hmm. Becoming, Becoming, I think is what it's called. And it, she's somebody I respect and admire a lot. And I thought if I'm going to read a book, it is going to be this book. Because generally I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen to uh, Audible. I'm very much an auditory learner. But I find that reading, even like a Facebook post, I get distracted. And mm -hmm. I got to page 10 of Michelle Obama's book. And that's it. And I was captivated and just never picked it up and have, you know, kind of picked it up from Audible and I'm listening from an audio perspective. I say that because I know I'm not alone. And I think that the adventure that you and your, your mate Adam had decided to do is such a huge commitment to, to not only consume one full book and fit it in within a week, but also to review it, to critically think about it and have a Cliff's Notes review ready to produce and be on a podcast. So I'm thinking that with this podcast and with the listenership and the audience that you have today, I'm sure this probably sparked some other people or you're encouraged, you know, you probably encourage other people to join in on that, what does that look like? And, and is that your mission? What is your mission? Uh, that's definitely, yeah, where, we, where we're hoping to head towards, that's for sure. Because for us, we've derived so much benefit, personal benefits, just from reading books. Like we think that for, you know, a book costs $25, $30, and it might take you between eight to 12 hours to read. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, if you can learn one big lesson, uh, the investment is well and truly worth it. And in most books, uh, it's worth the time to read, the time and the money to get that one lesson out of it. But now our goal is to get one person to read one book because, as I said, we've both experienced so much benefit from reading books that we wanted someone to do the same thing. And uh, it is nice now to get a an email or uh, an iTunes review from someone saying, uh, I've never really read books before and you guys have shown me that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to read books or someone who says, you know, I used to read one or two books a year, now it's one or two books a month or something like that. They're, they're the things that, uh, you know, beyond the, the stats and the downloads that we think is a, is a much more better uh, indication of success to see that somebody else thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try and read a book for myself. The benefit of your podcast is that it is like a Cliff's Notes version and you have the message there. So how do you create the tension between wanting your audience to read or pick up a book and read versus just handing it to them with the lesson? That is a, uh, a very good question because I think from listening to the podcast, you probably get, I don't know, you probably get 60 or 70% of the benefit. We edit out, I guess, the bits that we found boring, but the bits that we found boring might have been someone else's favorite bits. Uh, so there is that element to it that we uh, couldn't possibly cover everything possibly in the book. 
But the other thing I think if, or I hope, I guess, is that if you listen to 10 episodes and then you think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to read one of these books and, and almost the episode is a bit of a teaser, I guess, for the rest of the book in that rather than, you know, reading 10 books for 10 hours each, a hundred hours of time, if you read, if you listen to 10 podcast episodes and that takes you, you know, half an hour each, so that takes five hours of time and then pick one, you're going to pick the best one out of those 10 books. So we're sort of hoping that at least, you know, you don't have to read uh, a book a week, you don't have to read every single book we do, but if you get a little bit of a taste for this book sounds awesome, I need to go read more. Hopefully where, you know, people are doing that once every couple of months and every so often they they're intrigued enough to go and pick up that book for themselves. Yeah, so I think what this touches on is something that was in your digital minimalism episode. So I listened to this and I felt like this was talking to me and really the issue with why somebody like me doesn't take the time to read and at this point is almost intimidated by it. You guys had talked about a a thread in the digital minimalism, I think that's the book, about shallow work. And I that really resonated with me, that when you're at work, you don't have the ability to ever go deep because you're constantly interrupted. If it's an open office space, if you get a ping or a notification or an alert or an email and you immediately respond back. And I am that girl that immediately responds to a text, to an email, because I don't want to have a a huge to-do list later. So I felt like I really resonated with the shallow work part because I am so distracted. I really feel like your podcast in this particular episode has given me pause enough where I think I, I really do have to like bulk respond email, bulk, like actually go deep with my work. Mm-hmm. And I, I wondered what your thoughts are in that because I, I think there is that issue with reading books or somebody like me who loves learning, but the thought of reading books or just sitting down and focusing are really hard for me to imagine. And I'm curious to see how you do that. I'm uh, I'm super glad that it was a bit of an eye opener that that episode in particular because that was a it's a it's a, a a scary premise when your your eyes first get open yes. to what sort of just over the last you know three four five years we've all just gradually gradually built up to this state of state of being without even realizing it that there's constant interruptions there's constant messages constant emails constant you know interruptions from colleagues. But also just, you know, whenever you jump in the lift, the phone comes out and you start scrolling. You're waiting in line for a coffee, the phone comes out and you start scrolling. Yes. We're not, we're not necessarily doing anything productive. Uh, it's just like a way to keep us constantly connected to our phones and disconnected from the, from the world. And as you said, that, that, that deep work element, uh, it's, uh, the author's name is Cal Newport and uh, his his brand new book just came out is Digital Minimalism and the book immediately before that is called Deep Work and he highlights the the difference between deep work and shallow work in that in order to really get really good at something, you need to do deep work and that it takes time and effort and energy and focus to sit down and commit to building this new skill or taking on this new project and learning how to do something 
And But in a world where deep work is becoming more and more important, it's also becoming more and more rare in that, as you said, there's always a, a text or an email or an interruption that pulls you out of deep work. So you're constantly just jumping from shallow work to shallow work. So it certainly is uh, getting tougher. And, and until you sort of hear uh, something like this, you're really not even aware that this is going on. So I'm, I'm glad that that uh, just sparked you a little bit and opened really the eyes did. ever so slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, And I think in order to counteract that for reading, I think because we're not used to it, it's so intimidating to think in order to read, you know, maybe we've got this idea that it's uh, after, after dinner um, and after we've sort of gone, put the kids to bed and we've gone to bed for the night, we have to sit in our bed with the with the bed light on and read for an hour or half an hour or something and that sounds so intimidating to sit there and uh, and do nothing else except focus on reading for an extended extended period of time whereas for for me I think an easy way perhaps to get started is to make firstly make it a much smaller chunk of time that you're forcing yourself to do maybe it's even you know maybe it's 10 minutes or maybe it's even you know, six minutes or something smaller uh, a smaller chunk of time and also rather than forcing yourself to be a, a, a standalone thing that adds onto your day, you know, like you have to carve out a specific amount of time at the end of your day to read. So you're adding on top of all your other expectations and all your other things for the day is if you can just squeeze it in somewhere else. So like for me, I've got a, in order to go into the city, it's like a 15 minute, 20 minute train commute. Every time I get a seat, that's 15, 20 minutes I can read, you know, 20, 20 pages or something. And so if I'm doing that twice a day, that's comfortably half an hour each day there where I haven't added any extra time into the day to specifically read, but I've just found a time when otherwise most people are probably scrolling on their phones instead I've decided to pull out a book. Do you um, shut off another, your phone when you do that? I should, yeah. I don't, I don't always necessarily do it, but it is like... If you're reading, even just having a, a vibrate in the pocket is enough to distract you from reading. Even if you don't actually pull out your phone to check it, uh, which would obviously completely take you away from the reading, just having that vibration there is enough to really take your mind off what you're reading and think about who could possibly be be messaging me and what what am I missing and what could they be saying. So definitely is a recommended idea to to. I've got an iPhone, so you just swipe up from the bottom and hit that little half moon there, and you don't get the you still get the notification will still show up when you open the screen, but you don't get the the vibration, which is which is good. That was a crazy experiment that was done. I guess it was from the Cal Newport, the digital minimalism of the the groups or the study groups of people that were smoking pot yeah. and the people that were getting notifications and not necessarily responding to them. Mm. And the people who smoked pot did way better than the people that got those alerts because they were so distracted. And I thought that was so fascinating. And and I think for me, it was a reminder or just further further evidence that I really do need to recalibrate my own life to allow space because I don't allow space similar to reading to meditation, it sounds the same way, like start with a minute, start with three minutes, start with five minutes, and then start to grow from there and mm -hmm. fit it in where you can. It, you seem to be very curious in general. And the reason why I say that is, is this podcast of constantly looking to learn and evaluate and kind of talk about 
some of the books and ideas and concepts that you're reading, but also the book that you wrote on all of the kids, or not all of the kids, but these super successful or ex- exceptionally successful people from your high school mm. that I thought it was interesting, especially with the foreword that your high school, what's the name of your high school? Uh, it's called Melbourne High School I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Okay. So Melbourne uh, High School had produced all of these CEOs and entrepreneurs and incredibly successful people and wondering, is this something about the high school? But in a lot of cases, it might have been people that rejected the high school because they don't necessarily fit in a box, which is why they were able to break away. It sounds like you are, similar to me, insatiably curious to go and do all the research and interview all these people and compile a book and and what the findings are. Tell me about that experience and how that came to you. Curious is is definitely the the right word uh, that 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 comes up for sure in that I feel like, you know, often when we, uh, if we, when we grow up, the, the, the family we grow up in and the suburb we grow up in and probably the school we go to, they're all often people who are very much the same or very similar. And unless you actively try to break out of that, you're probably only going to get a very uh, small view of, of the world in that we don't really know what else is out there. And for me, it was reading a book and listening to podcasts that first opens your eyes to something different, to uh, being aware that there's something else out there and then being curious to go out and learn more about it. So for me, it was often the, the, uh, the very, I guess, safe path or traditional path of you know, go to school, go to university, get a job and gradually climb your way up, up the ladder. That was just really the only way I'd ever heard of. Uh, and the the school I went to, Melbourne High School, is a super academic school in that you have to do a, a test to get in. It's from year nine to year twelve, and so at year eight you, you do a test, uh, and the top you know three percent of that test academically get in into the school. Wow! And from the start, they're selecting academically you know high achievers. And in terms of the the year twelve results, uh, our school is often number two. Uh, the the number one school is generally our sister school, uh, which is the the all girls equivalent. So the girls are doing slightly better than the boys almost every year, but uh, <laughs> they, they it's just that they start with that highly academic kids, smart kids. But it's uh, still it was the idea that it was still very limited in that most people wanted to be uh, doctors or lawyers or engineers, or their parents wanted them to be doctors or lawyers or engineers. And it was still very much that same path that everybody else was on, perhaps slightly accelerated or perhaps with a slightly higher ceiling. But I still think there wasn't enough uh, exposure to different ways of doing it or different ideas or different approaches that you could take. So that's sort of where the, for me, the idea of I want to find people who had not gone down that traditional path and done something different, done something on their own, and still were able to achieve uh, some massive amount of success. Just to first, I guess, selfishly learn for myself, but then to also open the eyes of some other people who perhaps hadn't had exposure to that way of living before. So what kind of kid were you in high school? I was a pretty nerdy kid, um, (laughs) definitely. 
What kind uh, of yeah. nerd? Like book smart nerd or couldn't figure out how to dress nerd? What, <laughs> what, what was your social status? Uh, so I think I was just very much in the, the middle. I got along with most people but wasn't super deep into into any specific group or identity. But just to paint a picture of how nerdy I was, my maths <laughs> teacher in year 12 who was uh, – Mr. Ganella, but he had this system that he teaches kids every year of for year 12, the final year of high school, how to keep track of your study, how to plan your study, how to, this is what your week should look like and how you can keep track of it. And what he did was like you had a grid and each you know subject, maybe you do three hours each night, an hour for each of the three subjects. And then on the weekend, you do a certain amount and maybe you get one day off. But basically, and then during the holidays, you do 40 hours a week. Uh, but basically for me, in order to play that game and keep tallying up the hours of study, I, uh, I got up at 6 a.m. every morning to do an hour of maths uh, before, uh, before getting ready for school. And then on the holidays, I was doing 50-hour weeks. And I, I think I ended up tallying up 846 hours of uh, outside of school study uh, on, uh, for that year 12 year. And that was just because uh, wow. Mr. Ganell's system were tracking the tracking the hours and it almost became a game to to tally up those hours. But that was a the nerdy definitely a, a nerdy year for me. Do you feel like you're the person that will question everything, question status quo? I'm kind of getting that vibe a little bit. Yeah, more and more now. Definitely as a kid, definitely not. Whereas it probably would have been uh, beneficial to ask a few more questions. But now I th- now I think I do. I definitely do question the. Um, the status quo more and more often in that. So this podcast is called Little Left of Center, and it is designed for culture changers and people that think a little bit differently. And it sounds like you have similar interests in that. What is your mission? Yeah, I was uh, I was definitely attracted to the things I'd, I'd heard about this this podcast and thought that I, I needed to be a part of it just because uh, I was certainly attracted to some of these ideas as well. I think my my mission, I think it's for people to take a little bit more responsibility or control or ownership over themselves and what they do rather than just following following the herd which I, which has a, a negative connotation to it and you know doing what everybody else is doing i think my mission would be to just open the eyes up a little bit and start so that people can start to look around and really ask themselves is this the right way to do things is this the best way to do things is this sort of what i want to do and if the answer is no to any of those how can they go about doing something differently it's never a one size fits all <laughs> anymore no. And I think even Seth Godin, his whole concept is that now that you have the internet, everyone truly has a tribe waiting for them, that nobody is really alone. One of the purposes of my podcast or one of the things that I notice is that the world has a lot of complicated problems that can be solved. And there's a lot of complexity around our lives. And if people are to join what your mission is, what are some ways, you know, that phrase, there's only one way to eat an elephant, bite by bite. Mm. And sometimes Mm. when you hear about things that are hard problems to solve, very often you just say, forget it. It's too hard unless you have a step to take. And that's what the purpose of this podcast is to achieve whatever your mission is. 
So if that's the case, how can people join in your mission? I think it would be to just begin to firstly expose yourself to a few new ideas. So for me, it's reading books. And obviously, I would push people towards reading books. But as you said, you know, your your goal was was one book for the year, uh, and you're ten pages in, <laughs> and we're we're four months in. Yeah. Uh, but maybe so. Maybe books aren't a thing. But maybe it's listening to a podcast or or watching a YouTube video or you know, taking an online course or or just something to start learning new things and start exposing yourself to to new ideas. So that's the definitely the first step, but importantly the the second step is then to just start to try something new, start to try to do something, whether it's a a small project or a hobby on the side, whether you try to start a business, whether you just take up something new that you do on the side that you enjoy doing, but you're learning from as well. I think that would be the, the two things that I would, I would suggest. Firstly, content in terms of learning new things. And then secondly, the act- activity of trying to put something into action and learn as you go. I love it. Thank you, Adam Ashton. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to my chat with Adam Ashton. If you're interested in learning more, feel free to subscribe to his podcast, What You Will Learn, or connect with him on Twitter and Facebook. I'll link his contact methods in the show notes. If you liked what you heard today, please rate, review, and tell a friend or three. Most of all, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.